Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Joining us now on the program, and I'm happy that he is doing he is doing so. He had joined Kevin and I, as a matter of fact, during training camp, and he is off to the start that we expected for the Colts season. Linebacker EJ Speed joins us on the show. He has 13 solo tackles so far in the year, including a sack. EJ, how are you? Thanks for the time. I'm doing good. How you guys doing? Uh, we're good. You know what? Here's the thing, EJ. You, you, you probably don't recall it because, you know, hell, I barely do because it was like 7 o'clock in the morning. But the last time we talked was at camp, as I'd mentioned, and I was doing the morning show. And then now that I've moved to the midday show, that means that I'm obviously doing spectacular because I didn't get up at 530 this morning. So there's your answer, right? I mean, you know, I don't know. What time does an NFL player get up? What time did you get up this morning? I actually got up at 530. I had to be in the facility at 6, yo. Good Lord. So we on the same page right now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh All right, here's here's my dumb guy question. And I'm giving you full, even though Gregory – got mad at me saying that I shouldn't apologize for my questions. Maybe I'll apologize for the ignorance of this question, and I'm giving you full permission, EJ, when you hang up the phone to go into the locker room and go, this guy just asked me the dumbest question on radio. Are you ready? All right, cool. cool. I'm going to do it. Uh, Gus Bradley has said the thing about you that he loves is that you make plays 95% of the time that you're on the field, but yet you're only taking 50% of the snaps. What is yeah. it schematically that necessitates you being on the field, and what is holding them back from using you in more situations? Because you do seem to be Johnny on the spot. Uh, just that, I mean, it's not enough positions on the field at linebacker. I mean, Darius is an all-pro linebacker, and Z is playing amazing, and he was uh, all-pro alternate at one point. So um, it's just that we got a stack room. We one of the best linebacker quarters in the league. So I'm sure if it was a place to have – three linebackers on the field at all times and I'm sure they would but it's just not right now so my role is to come in and make plays when uh, the opportunity is given so flippancy aside from that question the thing where I give you a lot of credit and I don't know that people can understand at all times in professional sports the challenge of this but is it a challenge to to be that dialed in when you know, you know, to not be resentful. In other words, to not be like, look, man, I should be out there more often. Da, da, da. To be able to have that kind of focus when your number is called as opposed to focusing on when your number is not. What's the mental uh, approach there? Uh, no, nah, I'm kind of got to just stay in my own lane. I mean, whatever put in front of me, I'm just going to execute it to the best of my ability. Plus, that's just a respect to my linebacking core. I mean, every we, I mean, we got three starters, and I think Grant Stewart is a guy that can play too. So, I mean, we got four guys that can start on Sunday. So um, it'll be it'll be anybody's turn at anybody moment. So um, at this point, it's Darius and Z's turn to be a starter at um, in a nickel package. So uh, if my opportunity come up to be a starter, I mean, I wouldn't want anybody else to be behind me being resentful. So it's kind of like a golden rule to it. Our conversation with EJ Speed brought to you by Shelby Materials, the concrete and aggregate experts. EJ, you make effectively the, the game-sealing defensive play, or at least the play that turns the game in favor of the Colts, leading to that Matt Gay field goal when you're able to break up that pass from Jackson to Flowers on fourth and three. Colts fans hyped about it. Ravens fans crying for a flag. I'm not going to ask you about the penalty itself because I don't want to get any of us in trouble, but the timing of that has to be something at that speed and in that moment of the game that is 
probably one of the most difficult things on a football field. How do you time that out as well as you did? Uh, just being instinctive. Um, that break, I mean, I practiced that break throughout the offseason in camp and dang near every Wednesday at practice. So it wasn't an unnatural break to break downhill on a drag route. I mean, uh, Zay Flowers is in motion. I mean, um, I know that's Lamar's guy, so I'm thinking, and I ha- got to have a situation. He might go to Andrews or Zay. So I just uh, got a lucky pick of the draw and broke downhill on, on Zay Flowers, and I was there for the fast breakup. How much, EJ, I'm curious, as an NFL player, yeah. how many hours a day or week do you spend studying film and or you know just game plan of the upcoming opponent away from when you're at the facility? So on your own, take me just take me through like an average day for EJ Speed. Uh, so as soon as I get home, I bust down uh, practice. Just uh, I go through, of course, execution first, just making sure the execution was right. And then I uh, turn to my mistakes. And um, I write down my mistakes. And then um, I write down my mistakes, go through why I should – I write down how I could have – what I could have did different. Um, then I go in and I read and I uh, look over the the alignments and everything like that of the other team. And I don't want to give up too much sauce, but <laughs> but yeah, uh, I just I look at keys and cues that the teams give away, and then um, I just pick three or four plays out of that out of that out of that film that if they run this, and I'm going to make the play, and I hold myself to that standard and practice. I got to make that play. A coach give me this, you know what I mean? And um, and um, that's just how it happens. At what just, point in take, your career? You Sunday, and it looks very. Uh, once you take it to Sunday, it just looks natural to you. At what point in your career, EJ? EJ Speed is our guest, by the way, the Indianapolis Colt linebacker, of course. Whether it be North Crawley High School in Texas or Tarleton State in college, you know, at some point you were more physically and naturally gifted than the people you were on the field with. And then the NFL, obviously, everybody's a great player. So the, the, the discipline that you have in terms of preparation, at what point in your career – did that match the natural God-given talents that you had where you realized that, in fact, it was a job as opposed to you could just go out and rely on instinct and, pardon the pun, speed? Uh, when I came in with um, with Bobby, Bobby O'Karake, we came in in the same draft class, and Bobby was more of a film guy. He was more of a film guy. He was more of, like, route reading and all that type of stuff, you know, playing at Stafford and everything like that. He played at a major division one, so – they they uh, demanded that of those guys. So when I got there, and you know me and Bobby coming up in the NFL together trying to find our way, and I just noticed that he was doing it. And then Anthony Walker, he was our veteran, and he was doing it. So I was like, look, maybe that's the key. So you know what I mean. So I start I start getting heavy into my playbook and studying, and then I just found ways that worked for me based on them just pushing me to be that guy to get inside my playbook and um and study and study film on teams. And it just it worked out influential for me throughout my career. I'm in year five, and um, watching film is just normal. Calling out plays, all type of stuff, just around the field, uh, just around the field and stuff. Just being able to know splits and everything like that. Calling out for plays that they can run, and just knowing coordinators. Uh, most coordinators in the same family tree as, as some big coordinators, so uh, that works too. EJ Speed, nice to have you join us here on Query and Company. EJ, you bring up coordinators. When you signed that extension, you had a sit-down conversation with Colts Media. I believe it was Matt Taylor, and you praised Gus Bradley for his help in your development last year. I've argued that the retention of Gus Bradley was one of the best decisions the Colts made when Shane Steichen came on board. How critical was having Gus Bradley back in the fold to not just 
your development, but the team as a whole, a second unit underneath Gus Bradley? Uh, it's perfect because Gus doesn't talk much about physical. He talks more about the mental part of the game. He lets you handle the physical part, coming in in shape, being strong, being fast, doing what you need to do. And then he just focused more on just teaching you um, just certain game plans and then just helping you play faster and smarter. And I respect that from him so much. And that was one of the reasons why I signed back because I feel like that was an element of my game that I needed to be at an all-pro level. EJ, it's a different side of the ball, I realize. EJ Speed is our guest. Um, but we know what kind of talent Anthony Richardson appears that he is going to be in the National Football League. But I have been so impressed, and I want your perspective on this because I'm not in the locker room, right? I'm not in practices. I've been super impressed when his number has been called at Gardner Minshew's ability to go in there, not sulk over the fact that as a veteran he didn't get that job right away, to understand his role, and then seemingly to be a guy that kind of keeps things loose and is pretty relaxed when he goes out there and plays and can make plays when he needs to. Can you elaborate on when his number is called, kind of the leadership at an important position of Gardner Minshew? Uh, I don't think it's too hard for Gardner to do that just because of what Anthony Richardson brings to the to the table with like his poise, his athletic ability, uh, the way he reacts to certain situations as a pro in practice, his mistakes to his to to his to his up to to when he's up to when he's down, when he's having a bad practice, when he's having a good practice. He's seen Anthony Richardson go through that, so he respected. But Gardner Mitchell is a genuine guy, just all around. He's um, He's genuine with the defensive players. He's genuine. He's the same person every day. He come in. He goes to work. He does. He, he's just a pro. So um, he actually, I think that 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 Anthony Richardson kind of, in a way, like you know, like take 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 to um, Gardner just off how he moves around the building and stuff like that. And I think they're good for each other and great. To, if Anthony's not playing and AR is in. I think that'll be a great situation. And if AR is playing, I'm sure Gardner will be there to have his back through everything. What quarterback in the league is the most difficult to, like, with their eyes to be able to predict where they're going? Like, which quarterback best masks in a formation or a lineup or an audible? Which one is the one that keeps you the most on your toes? Keep most on my toes? Uh, I would say most of the veteran quarterbacks, most of the guys who've been in the league and, you know, from that eight to – eight to whenever range, they learn, like, you know, they get more comfortable in the pocket and they start looking out. Matthew Stafford actually is a guy that does that. So it'll be it'll be, it'll be be great playing against him because he has the elements of the game too. Now, EJ, last question for you here. Um, so the name of this program is Query and Company, right? <laughs> and what we've had fun doing is, is making everybody that listens to the program or is part of it part of the company, right? Like an employee of the company. So, so we'd like to hire you as an employee of the company. This is all fictional. No money will be exchanged. Um, what, what would you like to be the, I was thinking you could either, either be the director of big hits or the director of speed. Wh- which one would you more prefer to be your title? Uh, can I bring Z along? Oh yeah, absolutely. The Can two of you. Z yeah. Along. We'd love to have the two of you. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be the director of speed and I'll let Z be the director of big hits. <laughs> okay, how about this? How, how about this? Zaire Franklin can also be the director of uh, Hoagie and Hop Sandwiches because I know he yeah. likes those too, right? Yeah, I got to go check my dog out. He got a, a cheesesteak over there. <laughs> All right, <laughs> so last thing then, EJ, can we get you to simply say right now, and I'm putting you on the spot, okay, but I just need you to say this is EJ Speed, the director of Speed, and you're in the company. 
You need me to say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we're gonna and then yeah, we're gonna, gonna make a big deal out of this. I'm, I'm gonna have to charge you for that one, dog. Uh, I'm charge. <laughs> I'll give you. How about this? I'll get you a Philly and cheese, uh, a Philly steak and cheese sandwich for it. All right, cool. What's the what's the what's the saying again? <laughs> there we go. All right, uh, this is EJ Speed, the director of Speed, and you're in the company. EJ Speed, director of Speed, and you were here now in the company. There we go. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. I have hey. my own little twist to it, though. EJ, oh, I appreciate I like that. that. I appreciate that. Just like a little ketchup on the steak and cheese. We'll let you go get your right. sandwich, EJ. We appreciate the time today, and look forward to talking to you again. All right, uh, make sure you get my chili, my uh, Philly cheese steak too. All, all right, right. <laughs> I'll get go, go into Hoagie and Hops. We'll put it on me. All right. All right, dog. All right, yep. there we go. EJ Speed, the pride of Tarleton State, and of course North Crawley, Texas, joining us on the program. Thank you, Eddie. We'll begin with a little breaking news from West Fifty Sixth Street. In terms of the Colts' practice today, Anthony Richardson, Ryan Kelly, both returned to the Indianapolis Colts and have gone through reps. They remain in the concussion protocol. And Eddie Garrison, you were explaining to me that that essentially means that they would have gone through non-contact practice and there would be one more that they need to go through to be officially removed from the protocol. Correct, Correct. yes. A player has to go through a non-contact practice and a contact practice before they can officially clear the concussion protocol and play on Sunday. Okay, so uh, there we go. Anthony Richardson, Ryan Kelly, I would anticipate that means that one, if not both of them, would be obviously trending towards playing against the Rams on Sunday. Uh, It will be quite the pillow fight for the Rams because they'll be looking at a team that's in the bottom half, or not even that, like the bottom four of the (laughs) NFL.com power rankings and here to talk about that. And I love the fact, Eric Edholm, and I hope I'm saying your last name correctly, Eric. Yeah, um, yeah. I applaud and commend the fact that you're willing to be like, you know what? I probably made a lot of Indianapolis mad, so I'll come on and have some fun with it. So kudos to you. We had a little fun with it ourselves. But first off, how are you? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing all right. Yeah, yeah. I I got plenty of uh, folks hit me up on Twitter. Uh, Most of them, you know, irritated. Obviously, their team's 2-1. and They want to see them a little higher on the list. Uh, Most of them cordial, though, I thought. And, uh, yeah, look, it's never personal with me. I I don't hate any teams. I don't like any – I, I, I say this and people don't believe me, but it's true. And uh, look, if I'm wrong, I'll fix it. That's that's the beauty. I got I got like 13 more cracks at this thing, so I'll uh, I'll do my best. <laughs> well, now here's the only one, and, and I'll pick. I'll, we'll start out by me finding exceptions to the rule here in your in your list. Okay, so yeah, I'll give you the opportunity yeah. to expand upon it. Um, yeah. I do get and I understand and respect the fact that despite the record. And the pleasant surprise for people, the reality is the Colts are probably not at this point a top 10 team in the NFL. I get that. Um, Nor is it my job necessarily to to like put on pom-poms for them. But five spots behind the Houston Texans who they have already beaten. Elaborate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think obviously it's it's probably the one team that I I think people have the biggest argument with. And I think they're probably – onto something I may I probably recency bias but I was really impressed by the Texans on Sunday I thought they played a, a complete three-phase game now you guys are obviously saying uh did you watch the week before and you know what just before you guys called me I, I re-watched it to make sure I wasn't losing my mind Texans didn't play great right obviously the Colts kind of took control of that game early you know put it on ice were able to keep you know keep it a two-score game there with a couple stops at the end um, you know, as I always tell people, like, or I say always, I've only been doing it for NFL.com now for, you know, three, four weeks now. But 
it is the power rankings, not the power standings. And just because you beat a certain team below you on the list, I mean, obviously we know the Colts, you know, beat the Chiefs and last year and, you know, some fluky results happen and all that. I still have to kind of measure the whole body of work. Now, you could also take it further and say, uh, right, Eric, but didn't the Texans get walloped by the Ravens in week one? It's true as well, but boy, I really saw something in C.J. Stroud, and I just I worried at the time that I wrote that. I didn't know obviously whether Richardson would play, what the Taylor situation was, you know, whether Kelly would be back. There were a lot of unknowns too, so I probably bumped Houston up a spot or two higher than they deserved to go, and I probably left the Colts a couple spots lower than they belonged. But again, it's I, I just thought Stroud played great. They had a, a three phase win. The defense took took some strides. And, you know, they kind of did to the Jaguars and maybe in a more impressive fashion what the Colts did to the Texans. So that may not be a sufficient answer, but, you know, that's, that's kind of how I landed on it. And, yeah, last week I regretted the Cowboys and then they lost. So sometimes these things have a way of kind of self-correcting a little bit. How much of this, and I guess this would obviously kind of take care of itself the further you get into the season, but are we still, if you had to, like if we were to put truth serum inside of you and then go and and really look eric like at, at inside your mind right which would be terrifying yeah. if you did that to me but for you how much realistically do you think that naturally speaking your rankings get biased at this point in the year by what we anticipate a team to become versus what they are right now Oh, no question, right? I mean, there's, there's off-season bias, right? We got all these, these, these narratives and storylines hammered into our brains for, for four months, right? From, from Mr. Irrelevant to the first day of training camp, right? These things become sort of, you know, baked in our heads and we, and we play into them. So I'm absolutely sure that I'm, that I'm in some way biased in terms of expectations or, like you said, kind of projecting forward, like, you know, there will be two and one teams currently who pick in the top 10 of the draft or so. I mean, that just that happens every single year, right? We see teams, they get off to encouraging starts, they fail. So that possibility exists. And yeah, I think probably there was a little bit of a, a sense of, Hey, let's not forget this team was three, two and one last year. Things did fall apart. Was it a crazy confluence of events? Absolutely. Right. I mean, it's, you don't have seasons like that too often. I didn't think it would carry over. I'm a big fan of of Shane Steichen, and I love the staff they put together there. I've always believed in, in Chris Ballard's vision of, of how a roster should look. I know the quarterback situation had been a, a big area of, of concern. But, yeah, all those offseason questions kind of lingered in my head. And, um, again, I'm not, I don't, I'm not projecting doom and gloom. I'm just saying, like, right now if I had to – stack these teams that's roughly how it would go and boy if you look from about I would say the New England Patriots I don't know if I had them 18 or 19 somewhere around there all the way down till the final three on my list Carolina uh, Denver and Chicago I don't think there's much separating those you know dozen or so teams I really don't I, I don't think that it's really hard to tell even with three games under our belt Who's going to be built to last? Who actually has some, some room to, to improve and will do so? I mean, a lot of it is guesswork, and, and that's, you know, that's where we are right now. Four games, I think, will give us you – I know that, that fourth game can, can mean a lot, and each one after that you know, adds a little more and puts the offseason stuff in the, uh, the rearview mirror. NFL.com's Eric Edholm is our guest. 
Eric, at what point as you're mapping out your power rankings or as you're maybe looking around the league, I'm sure just to get an idea of, okay, this is how power rankings are structured. At what point in the season, I know Jake kind of asked you about the past stuff of the offseason. I'm talking about yeah. more of the in-season adjustments that teams make as injuries unfold. At what point does a team, let's take the Bengals, for example, who you moved up a spot because they got a win over the Rams uh, yeah. I think from 12 to 11. At what point does a team be sub 500 where you can no longer justify them being higher in the rankings than say a team that's above 500 right now it's three games in I get it two and one you mentioned there's not a ton of separation between say 16 and and, and 22 but at what point does it become harder for you to have a sub 500 team higher than a team that's say five and one if it got to week six yeah that's a great question I mean we had some fluky things last season for instance like the you know the Minnesota Vikings winning 13 games but being outscored on the season right you know I mean (laughs) That's not going to happen every year. And, and then I kept thinking to myself, boy, I, I don't know if this team can, can keep living this dangerously, right? Or if you take it to your example, uh, like the Green Bay Packers, right? They started out, what, three and six last year, I want to say. I think Detroit beat them in, uh, what was it, so week nine or ten, whatever. I don't know when their bye was. But it was right around there where they beat them the first time. And everybody kind of thought, well, okay, that's it. You could kind of put a fork in, in the Packers. Well, they kind of made a run and almost almost got in, right? And guess who beat them? The Lions again. So I don't want to say midseason, but, man, it's like you, you really do have to give a, a pretty big chunk, and I would say at least, you know, right around the halfway point of the season where you say to yourself, all right, now we can we can fully say that this thing isn't turning itself around, right? Where there, there are too many issues, too many games to make up, better teams ahead of him in the division, you know, whatever the, the, the situation may be. But, yeah, I mean, some of this, it's not like I haven't done power rankings before, but it's been a minute. And uh, Dan Hansen, who took out, who, was, who had done it for the previous four years, I think had it down to a real art. And he had the real good sense and feel for – when to kind of graduate those teams to the next tier, if you will, and when to say, okay, reputation aside, these guys have to come down because they haven't played well yet. Eric Edholm is our guest. He, of course, you can read his power rankings at NFL.com. Eric, I had one other question about the rankings for you, but before that, I wanted to elaborate on this. This is not me trying to attack Chris Ballard, but I'm curious by this. I hear that a lot. You know, hey, I really believe in Chris Ballard. I really like Chris Ballard. Chris Ballard's the right guy for the job. I like the way he builds rosters. Uh, Six years into it, he had to basically completely tear down and start over again because the roster he had built by his own admission had failed. What is it about him that makes you believe? Yeah, I think his his best trait is to be able to find players who, you know, fit fit the kind of smart, instinctive, physical style that they're looking for – now, just because you find good players doesn't mean you've constructed a good roster, right? And as I alluded to, I mean, look, quarterback has been a, a bit of problem, right? I mean, they've kicked the can down the road, and they've gone with these one-year type stopgap solutions. I always kind of wonder what would have happened had Rivers come back for a second year. But, he, again, even, even that's still a short-term solution. But, yeah, that was never sustainable. And that was always – I don't want to call it his blind spot, but that was always the spot that – everybody obviously could say, hey, this is holding us back. Now, there are a lot of factors at play. You know, was, was 
someone above him preventing Ballard from making a different quarterback move where there are different voices in the room. One guy wanted somebody, someone else wanted the other guy. That happens. I mean, I, you know, again, it's the buck stops at the GM, the guy who, you know, essentially makes the final call, but there often are people, you know, whether it's the owner or whoever, who can overrule some of these things too. I'm not trying to make excuses, but I don't know the answer to that. So I can't fully say, did they have a realistic quarterback situation or a possibility, I should say, prior to drafting Anthony Richardson that would have been, you know, beneficial. Obviously the luck stuff too. I mean, that was, you know, I I don't know how you categorize that, but it was unexpected. And, you know, I think the, the worst part has been, you know, like plugging one hole, another, you know, sort of gap opens up in this team and, and they just haven't had the depth, but, and you know, Shaq Leonard. But that's on him, right? Ellie, I mean, like, the injuries have been a little while too. But the depth is on the roster build. Absolutely. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I again, I, I can't argue with the fact that, you know, the results haven't added up and, you know, like when it, in, a, in a sport where games come down to five or six plays a game, depth and quarterback play are probably two of the most important things. So, you know, there, there are obvious misses in there. Every team misses. Um, every team – I think if you looked at, at their draft record and stacked it up against the other 31, it would still reflect pretty well, even if, you know, there are some, some holes that – you know, stood out quite a bit in the last couple of years. Eric, you ever been to McDonald's and had, I don't even know if they still have them. You ever had a shamrock shake? Oh, yeah, man. Okay. They changed the recipe a few years ago. I want to put that out there. I want to say the original, I still stand by this. I, I swear they were different in the 80s and 90s than they, they have been recently. They, but yeah, they changed the key ingredient from Crest to Aqua Fresh, right? Because it basically tastes like toothpaste. <laughs> but, but here's the thing, Eric, okay? We, we all fall victim to this. Every year, the Shamrock Shake comes about for St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. And you have forgotten about it from the previous like 11 and a half months to when you had the availability of buying a Shamrock Shake. So sure. you go into a McDonald's and you're like, oh my gosh, the Shamrock Shake. And you get it because you're super excited because it's new and it's fresh and it's different and, and you eat it. And then you get like halfway through it and you go, eh, it's okay. And by the time right. you have a second, you realize that it probably wasn't all that it was cracked out to be, right? Okay. So yep. in this year's NFL season, we knew Buffalo was going to be a great team. We knew that San Francisco is probably going to be pretty good. But if you look at your if your power rankings, who is the Shamrock Shake? Oh, that's a great question. Like, who's the – you're saying basically who's the team that – Who's the one that is biased because it was new, unique, refreshing, and exciting, but you also realize that after four weeks you're going to go, yeah, pretty much it's what I had forgotten it was. Yeah, that's a tough question. I mean, I think if you just sort of look at the standings this year, I mean, I, I think it would be easy to apply that to Cleveland. I think a lot of people are going to say, oh, you know, Watson really hasn't played that great. Yeah, Sunday was better, and that defense can't sustain it. The division's too good. I don't know that I would pick them, but I think a lot of people would. Um, obviously, the Jets season soured after four. Well, but now. what about the other way? The team that right now looks really good – but within a couple of weeks, we're going to realize there was a little bit of fool's gold there. Because uh, right now... Could it be Miami? Oh, I don't think so. No. I, I re- Honestly, I think they're going to be the toughest team to deal with all season. I think they can win the Super Bowl. I think, you know, it, I know, again, we're talking about like, hey, you just said a minute ago, three games isn't enough to say, but... 
I, you know, the, the Patriots came up with a really good game plan for them. Now, obviously, their tackling was bad and they had penalties and whatnot. But defensively, you'd say, okay, I think they, they did a smart thing against them. And they held them to what? 28 points and 400 yards. I mean, on the road. It's, I think that thing is going to translate all year long unless there is another major injury like Tua last year or what See, that's you, or my, my one concern there. And this is true, Eric, of probably every team I realize. But it feels to me like the team that has the least margin for error at key injury is Miami because, and this is to a credit to them, but the two or three players they have that are dynamic for them are so dynamic there is no replicating it and so if they go down then it suddenly becomes really difficult for them to sustain the same way that they play does that make sense yeah it makes sense i i I will disagree with on one element in the sense that jalen waddle wasn't out there sunday and they still put up 70 but yeah if tyreek hill does go down it certainly changes the dynamic of the team and um, you know, but Devin A. Chain breaking out, or I guess his name is maybe not pronounced that way. <laughs> Peter King had a story that, that, that threw all of us for a loop the other day, but uh, you know who I'm talking about, the rookie out of Texas A&M. But, um, you know, they, they have unbelievable speed with him. That's and it. Most Their speed is just incredible. Yeah. So if you lose one of those guys, Hill being, I think, the most important Clearly, they're going to have a different game plan and a different way to attack you. But New England took Hill out of the game. You know, you know, he scored a touchdown, but still, I mean, contained him, and they still went off. So, boy, I don't know. Maybe someone's, you know, got something they can match Miami's speed with. And uh, I would say it, it comes down to getting into his face and pressuring and, and really taxing that offensive line. But, you know, they, they, they really get rid of the ball quickly these days and, and get yards after the catch. I think they're, they're dangerous, and not just because, you know, they've had three good games. Just the, watching them on tape, Denver looked like they had no idea how to stop these guys, and even the Patriots struggle with them. By the way, uh, it's the Chargers. Shamrock Shake is the Chargers. Every year it's the okay. Chargers to win the West. Yeah, it's the Chargers, fair. and it's, it's the Chargers. So one and two, man. With a, I mean, they almost lost Sunday. You saw what Staley did. Now, the game. Eric, I'm a Chiefs fan. The, you the should Bears, know the front end. The but Bears are a filet of fish <laughs> dipped in tartar sauce. That's the Bears, right? Yeah, with, with like cold ketchup on top, man. I'm <laughs> in Chicago. And, like, you know, I'm not a Bears fan, but I, you, you talk to people, and there was so much optimism and by halftime of the Green Bay game, it was gone. You know, or like the third quarter, I guess. But it's unbelievable how quickly things. How much of that stop. is? How much of Justin Fields do you think is just you know mental at this point, and how much of it is situational in the fact that he has no one to throw to? Yeah, I. You know, they have to do a better job of scheming DJ Moore open and stuff, and they you know they pay their tight end Cole Komet and. You know, I mean, he's, he's had limited production, I think, so far. And, uh, I mean, right now, I think the biggest thing is the offensive line. But, obviously, Fields doesn't look any different for me from last year in terms of sitting back in the pocket and getting comfortable. He wanted to do it. The coaches wanted him to do it. And, as a result, they're taking away one of his best weapons, you know, using him as a design runner. That's, that's what makes him so dangerous. And I get it. It's, it's a catch-22. You want to develop him as a passer, but you also want to keep the – the run threat, it just hasn't – they haven't found the magic formula yet. And they end up with two high picks. They've got theirs in Carolinas. I don't know how they don't draft a different quarterback in trade fields. That's my guess. I have no, you know, insider information on that right now. But that's 
the direction it seems to be creeping towards. Eric, I appreciate the time. We'll accept your apology on behalf of Indianapolis. How's that? <laughs> hey, I heard you guys uh, picked against them on Sunday, so I think every, we're counting. Every person that. here did, and, and I love it because the players, of <laughs> course, all then tweeted out, and I'm like, wait a minute, I thought you don't read and you don't listen to stuff, right? <laughs> Right. Like Ryan Day doesn't listen to anything until all of a sudden they win a game, and then he's like, "Let me give you an alphabetized list of everything everyone said about us." <laughs> they have it categorized and everything. It's the yeah, way I it mean, works, man. It's the way it, it works. It happens. All right, next week when you have the Colts 11th, we look forward to having you on to talk about it. I'm down. Let's go. All right, sounds good, Eric. Appreciate it, man. Enjoy the games this week. Thank you. You too. All right, Eric Edholm again from Chicago, but NFL.com had the Colts 28th in terms of the power rankings.